Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor Mary J.H. Gilbert Sr. coming to you this morning from On the Wall in Ministries here at our Sunday School Hour. We thank God for you joining us this morning. We pray, God, that you would just continue to be there with us to support us in our ministry here, trying to teach and trying to preach, trying to do the work of the Lord. So we thank God again for you joining us. Beautiful lesson this morning, August 20th. Our lesson 12 out of our King James Version of our Standard Commentary. If you can uh, follow along with us with any uh, literature except for the Union Gospel Press. They have a different scripture lesson this morning. But we're studying judgment in the kingdom coming out of 1 Corinthians 4th chapter verses 1 through 6 verses 17 through 21. Our scripture read this morning uh, as we study to look at our lesson aims, we hopefully to identify uh, why Paul sent Timothy to Corinth, then compare and contrast the issue of judgment in this week's lesson with last week's lesson in 1 Corinthians 5. Then recruit uh, an accountability partner to be able to be mutually re uh, responsible uh, for the purpose of avoiding being puffed up in our attitude. So uh, we got a wonderful lesson this morning, uh, judgment in the kingdom, 1 Corinthians 4th chapter, verses 1 through 6, uh, verses 17 to 21. A scripture read this morning, let a man so account of us as in the ministers of Christ and the stewards of his mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that uh, a man be found faithful. But with me it is very thing that I should not be judged of you, uh, but of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing of myself, yet I am not hereby justified that he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time, unless the Lord come, who has bring the, to the light the hidden things of darkness, and will manifest, make manifest the counsels of the hearts, and then uh, shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, have I a figure transferred myself and Apollos for your sakes, and that ye may learn in us to think of men above that which is written, that none one of you uh, be puffed up against one another. Verse 17, And for this cause I have sent unto Timothus, uh, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of the ways to be in Christ, and to teach as everywhere in every church. Uh, now some are puffed up, Though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly. And if the Lord will and will now, not speech of thee, uh, which is puffed up, but by power. And for the knowledge of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come to you with a rod or in love or in the spirit of meekness? Uh, may the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his holy and righteous word. Again, we want to look at... Uh, Paul's, uh, why did he send Timothy to Corinth and then compare these judgment between this week's lesson and last week's lesson and then try to find an accountability partner where you can uh, be a, uh, allowed to avoid uh, being puffed up in your relationship with Christ. So beautiful lesson. So let us get into our introduction this morning. Uh, an introduction, you are not the boss of me. Uh, no one likes to be bossed around, and we like to get it our own way, and, and we get credit for good outcomes. We especially like others to do what, uh, uh, what we'll tell them. And then some people say, you're not my boss of me. 
has become our catchphrase expressing the resistance to authority. And then the personal desire of independence is paradoxical of Christians. As followers of Jesus, we are to submit uh, to the Lord Jesus who died and rose for us and to God the Father who sent his son for us and the Holy Spirit who directs us and empowers us. Christians do have a boss, and the boss of bosses and the king of kings, we also have leaders in the church whom we must submit to. And at the same time, those leaders uh, set an example of humility. And then we must emulate as we submit to one another in Christ of the Lord Jesus. So we are to submit uh, to world governments and authorities even if we reject the principles of that government. As an individual Christian, we have, may have a mistaken, distorted view of what it means to follow and submit to Christ. But we rely on the understanding of the correction of others and to help us to overcome our mistakes and distortions. But at the same time, uh, that the Lord is the ultimate judge of a human, we are called by our Lord to help uh, one another overcome our misunderstandings and failings, and identifying such uh, uh, involves some type of judgment. So our text today brings us to this paradox into focus. Paul is writing this letter to the church uh, with a host of problems. So as we get into our lesson context this morning, the apostle Paul had planted this church in Corinth while he was on his second uh, missionary journey. And then indeed he spent a majority of time with this one church. But after Paul had left uh, this church, for Ephesus and locations farther east, problems in that Corinthian church arose and became known of him. But the problems in the church had became uh, many and they were serious. They included factionalism and gross sexual immorality, uh, lawsuits between believers and misunderstandings about marriage and singleness and divisions over foods and uh, selfish behavior in worship assembly, inappropriate understanding and exercising of spiritual gifts and a focus on self-glory to the exclusion of love and false views of the resurrection. So people uh, during that time had this distorted view. So Paul spoke directly, uh, eloquently with the authority of these issues, leaving no doubt, leaving the way forward for each one of them uh, regarding their activities. And then he did common thread that ran through the Corinthians problems could be seen. The solution uh, to this poisonous thread is the subject of our today's text. So faithful servants, beginning in our discussion this morning, 1 Corinthians 4th chapter, verses 1 through 6, uh, uh, as we study divine trust, verse 1 says that let uh, a man so account of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Here Paul is trying to, uh, had a difficult life as an apostle, seemed to have an understanding and having faith in him uh, being a, 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 an apostle because of his uh, not uh, fluent public speaking, uh, that he uh, was thought not to be as weighty and powerful as the other apostles. But uh, Paul did not uh, get concerned for that. I told you last week, when uh, in our uh, preaching, he said that I will not let these things move me. Paul had a, uh, had a determination that he was not going to let criticism, he was not going to let people's naysaying bother him and move him from preaching and teaching the gospel. That was his motivation. So his motivation was 
the him to be able to preach and to teach and show others how Christ was to have them to live. Paul answers this unstated question in two phases. He says that we notice that we are ministers of the gospel, and then we are also, we are um, uh, being stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, we are stewards. That means nothing belongs to us. Our ability, our job is to go out and to share what God has given unto us. So he's given us uh, to be accountable for the information that he's given to us so that we can be able to share the gospel with other people. Then he says in verse 2, Moreover is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Jesus told stories about masters leaving servants in charge of wealth uh, while the master was away. And then Paul penned this letter two, two decades after Jesus' uh, resurrection. Uh, uh, Jesus had told this story, but Paul penned the very same type of story. Uh, almost uh, undergirds his statement that his faithfulness to his stewardship role should have been a model to the Christians. But somehow they thought that because they had left them that he did not care about them. But sometimes Paul had to let them understand that he had other things to do. So he had left them in charge of faithful men that would be able to carry out the work. Uh, verse uh, uh, 3 and 4, clear conscience. But with me, this very small thing that I should be judged if you of a man's judgment, yea, I judge not my own self, for I know nothing by myself, yet I am hereby justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. Paul says that I know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't take any... Uh, 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 judgment of myself. I don't try to measure myself by anybody else. I don't try to measure myself by myself. But what I try to do, I try to be able to live my life uh, to be able to do the work that God has called me to do. Paul recognized that he had indeed been what wrongly judged by some many that he had uh, not been fully committed to the church. But he says that I know nothing of myself. Paul says that he does not uh, uplift himself. He does not push himself in a way uh, to take credit that everything that he do is because of what Christ had done in his life. He says that he will not be judged because he does not judge himself. And he said, I will not uh, hereby be justified, but he that judges me is the Lord. So God is the one who is going to do the justifying. Uh, I was looking at... Uh, 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 prime time. Prime time said that. Asked him, "What about criticism? What about people saying about him?" He said, "I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what people think about me. It's what I think about myself." So you have to have a desire to understand yourself and have a knowing knowledge of your commitment to Christ. So don't worry about what other people are judging you or not. If your commitment to Christ is based on uh, what he, your desire and your heart, and you should be fully convinced that that's what God wants you to do. So don't worry about others judging you. He said judging nothing may be a conflict of judgment because we are made to judge. But he said uh, judge not you, we shall be judged. So don't judge people, but you have to judge situations and circumstances. So he says that you are not, uh, he said I judge nothing. 
not meaning that he doesn't judge, but he said, I don't judge things within myself. I don't judge things according to me. But he said, judge therefore nothing before time until the Lord come, who both will bring the light of the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. He said, praise or uh, judge nothing. It may be a conflict. Judge nothing in the context he refers to things that he can't be seen, such as those hidden mysteries of God. But encased in chapter 5 involves uh, this flagrant sin that was visible in the church. So you have to make judgment of things that are visible in the church. To fail to exercise the proper judgment of something like that that is happening in the church will allow this cancerous sin to grow in the church. And we're going to talk about that a little earlier later on this morning in our morning message. How sin cancer can come into the church and, and destroy all of the doctrine and the foundation of the church if we are not careful. So again, Paul has echoed the teachings of Jesus. He spoke the judgment of at his return, revealing, uh, making manifest that of the hidden things that beforehand. So the humanity is assembled before God in judgment when Christ returns. And all we would hear and know is the righteousness or the rightness of his judgment. So Paul entrusted his entire uh, evaluation on God. Don't worry about how people evaluate us, but our evaluation should be on God, whether he says yay, or yay, or nay, nay. I'm concerned whether God is going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what we need to be concerned about. Leaders, examples in verse 6, he says that in these things, brethren, I have figured, transferred to myself and to Paulus for your sakes, that ye have learned in us not to think men above that which is written, that not one of you be puffed up against one another. So he again is trying to explain further responsibility of trusting God's judgment alone. The intent is to provoke his readers to ponder their own trust uh, in that regard. So they said they would refrain from judging the motives not only of apostles such as Paul, but also of other leaders and each other. Members of the church had taken sides of whether they want to follow Paul or Apollos. But Paul says that whether you follow Paul, he is nothing. Whether you follow Apollos, he is nothing. But what we are, we are all what we are in Christ Jesus. The Corinthians were acting as if their choices were better and the approval in this regard was important in that they were being puffed up with pride against one another. The issue of pride is the central problem in that Corinthian church that they were experiencing. Such pride will produce conflict and each pride person will try to rise above the other. The conflict in the church had seemed to be about the popularity of preachers, but in fact it was about the pride of the church members. They tried to put the preachers in the middle of it, but it was their own self-pride was the issue. Ironically, when pride is behind attempt to rise above others, the result is just the opposite. When you've tried to put other people down, you're putting yourself down. When you try to rise yourself up above others, you end up raising them up instead of you because you're the one that's showing that you have uh, the less character as a Christian. So faithful correction. Faithful correction out of 1 Corinthians 4th chapter verses 17 
through 21. Uh, Timothy's instructive example. He said, for this cause, I have sent Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful of the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which is in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. He said that because of his inability to come, that he was going to send Timothy so that he could deal with the problem. Timothy is the one who is delivering this letter that Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, trying to address those problems. So he said, because of this issue and my uh, not being able to come, I will send Timothy, his beloved son, who was faithful in the Lord. He will bring to your remembrance the things that which are in Christ so as to teach you what Christ demands out of you as a Christian. And then he says in verse 18, Paul's stern warning. Now some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you. So they got upset because Paul had not come to them when they requested. And Paul said, some of you are puffed up because of my inability to come to you. In their puffed up state, some of the Christians believed that Paul, whom had received, is base and weak. And he said that he would not return, didn't think that he would return to them. But they would have free reign as they was pleased in his absence. This assumption was merely of, of denial of Paul's strength, but of Christ's strength. They didn't give Christ uh, the authority over the church. They were taking self-authority over the church. And rather than putting the authority in Christ's hand or the man of God that, had, uh, uh, that Christ had put there in the church, Paul. So would there be no consequences? Paul could bring warning and correction under the Lord's direction, but eventually the moment comes when we'll all stand before the Lord to give an account of our activities. Verse 19, he said, But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. Paul's uh, letter here is telling him that Timothy's visit and the letter would be the first steps of Paul's plan to correct the problems there in that Corinthian church. Paul himself planned to visit, but yet he was going to send Timothy along with this letter to address those problems. That he deferred uh, to be able to his plan that he would come to pass only if God will allow it. See, that's what we always should always do. When people ask us something, you say, I'll be there. I'll be there for you. But what we should say, I'll be there for you if the Lord's will. It has to be if the Lord's will. So Paul had made a commitment to them, but he says that if it's being directed by God, when Paul confronts his opponents uh, with uh, the triumph of Christ's resurrection and the truth of, uh, of his presence and eternal rule, they are uh, being puffed up as they were uh, because of Paul's absence. Will their power rival over the risen Christ and the power that Paul has as in his authority in the church? When you see the real issue, we know that the answer to the question. So verse 20 says that for the kingdom of God is not in word but power. He says that the power that comes is not in words but is the authority that God has given us. Kingdom power is expressed of the resurrection of Jesus. 
Jesus who surrendered his death for the sake of unworthy people like you and I. And that power was the antidote to the pride that affected the Corinthian church. See, when you have the love of Christ in your heart, that drives out that pride and that division and all of them inequities that you have in your heart. It'll make you uh, love one another more when you have the love of Christ in your heart. So he says that it comes with not just in word. When you say you're a Christian, it, has, it should be more than just word. It should be power of him working in your life working in your life and in your ministry and in everything around you. See, it says in 21, what will ye? Shall ye come unto you with a rod or in love or in the spirit of meekness? The Corinthians or Christians faced a choice. He said, would he acknowledge their pride or their inconsistency of the gospel? Paul will come to them fully in love of Christ that he would share to them or he would have to come with a stern hand of judgment to be able to get this thing straightened out. It's the attitude that does not assert that it's only supposed rights and privileges and entitlements. See, we get caught up in the church thinking that we have rights to do this and rights to do that. What we have a right to do is love one another and then love the Lord with all our heart and all our soul and all our might. But so if Paul's opponents uh, persisted in the parish that they were going, he would have to come with them with a rod rather than with love. He would have to straighten out the situation. This was a stock metaphor when contrasted with a visit in love, but with a rod refers to him having some retributive correction. So taken together, these possibilities imply three uh, outcomes. The Corinthians will have successfully corrected their attitudes and actions before Paul returned, or Paul himself would successfully correct their attitudes and actions when he returned, or Paul would be unsuccessful in correcting their attitudes and actions when he returned, resulting in disfellowshipping the rebels from the church. We talked about it on Friday night at our Bible Institute. When does you... When do the church get to that point where they dis, uh, communicate or, or disfellowship dis, dis yourself from somebody in the church? How do you disfellowship yourself from somebody in the church? But authority has to have some type of rule. The rules must be followed or you have no authority. So when these three possibilities or outcomes would come to pass, uh, was up to the Christian. Things, those in the church and it's up to you and I the ball is in their court and the ball is in our court unlike many uh, New Testament letters we have a glimpse of how the readers in 1 Corinthians responded to the letter in another letter in the church Paul mentioned that he did not want to make a painful visit that says in 2 Corinthians 2nd chapter verse 1 uh, it appeared that Paul visited the church and at that time he met with considerable resistance perhaps even hostility. But the experience was not the end of the story. At the time uh, went on and influences came to bear, many in the church repented of their behavior and Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that he reflected of the pain in their relationship but also the joy that he had with the Corinthians Christians were indeed still growing and still maturing in their faith and expressing even in greater consistency their love for Christ. So the love of Christ even if expressed with corrective rod 
bore fruit in greater humility and love. See, sometimes correction brings a better uh, way of, uh, of you changing and molding yourself into what God wants you to be. Correction does that. He says that if you uh, forget the rod, you spoil the child. So we have to make sure the rod of correction is involved in us trying to lead people to grow in their faith and their walk in Jesus Christ. So our conclusion this morning, difficult calling. Paul's language toward those Corinthians was sharp and appropriate judgment. But it helps us to understand why Paul wrote this letter when he did, helping us to understand what it means to live in God's kingdom. God is our ultimate judge. But God calls us into the kingdom in which he is subjects and answering only to him. Nevertheless, humbly and lovingly nurture one another toward a, a greater Christ-like act, uh, actions and attitudes. And this happens even when we acknowledge our own weaknesses and we submit to those to help us to grow. And calling that it is a difficult as it is rewarding. So we have to call things as they were. If it's wrong, call it wrong. If it's right, call it right. But we have to be subject to those that are over us. And sometimes we have to submit to them even when things are tough. But our prayer today, this evening, is God, we come into you uh, in repentance and in of the arrogance of the all we had uh, been guilty of at all times in our lives. And may we abandon the focus that we have, suppose entitlements, and focus instead on the entitlements Jesus voluntarily gave up as, as we might uh, live with him eternally. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our thought this morning to remember with God as our judge, the church lives in humble fellowship. We hope that each of you enjoyed the lesson this morning and we thank God for you joining us. We're going to pause for the cause and then we're going to have a brief station identification and then we're going to get into our morning worship. We'll see you in about five minutes. God bless you. May heaven ever smile upon you.